here in the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We're going to talk about the state of the Steelers after two of the worst back-to-back losses all time in franchise history. It's a rough situation for a 7-6 and six team, and now big questions about how they're going to finish the season and how the franchise moves forward with or without Mike Tomlin. I'm Chris Carter, host of the North Shore Drive podcast, joined today by Brian Batko. It's going to be a, a, a big episode to talk about a lot of football here. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Brian Batko. We're both of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Find all our written work at post-gazette.com. Find the North Shore Drive podcast on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this channel to get all of our daily content that comes from all of our Post-Gazette sports writers, as well as our Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and sometimes Saturday episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar. It's probably a better place to be in the North Shore than Acrisure Stadium these days, because at least there, you can enjoy over 500 different available beers, three of those beers, beers being local, 80 of those local beers being available on tap. They also have over 20 televisions, so if you don't want to watch the Steelers losing to 10, 10 losses, teams you can have all the options in front of you go to mike's beer bar today the best bar in all of pittsburgh we'll have more on them later uh brian you had i think you were the one person on the on the post gazette staff in the official pick department to pick the patriots to win this game but no, ron you had, did as well ron, oh, ron I I are, ron. Yeah, we're, we're, we're two peas in a pod I apologize. Uh, I think it was. I think Starkey had a tie, a two to two tie, which was actually rather incrinkulent of him. Um, but, uh, but in all seriousness, you picked it, you picked it to be twelve to nine. I don't think anyone expected if the Steelers were going to lose that the Patriots would put up twenty one points, let alone in the first half. Um, and then all the things that went wrong in the Steelers' offense. What was the biggest thing that you saw on the field that was just shocking to see for the Steelers team? Yeah, I mean, definitely the defensive effort being as poor as it was, you know, not just schematically, but, you know, it didn't even, it it looked like the Patriots just had more fire and more will to win, which is unbelievable considering they were a two and 10 team coming into this one and the Steelers were firmly in the playoff hunt. And, you know, we're going to get to all of the potential big picture ramifications of that, but I mean, they look like the better defense and we know that their defense had been playing well but so had the Steelers for the most part until these last couple weeks and you know Mike Tomlin pointed a lot to the challenges of missing inside linebackers and Elandon Roberts had been playing very well in the stead of Cole Holcomb and and Quan Alexander but clearly they're searching for another uh, player next to him to, to get the job done Hunter Henry took advantage of that Bailey Zappi took advantage of that Juju Smith Schuster was surprisingly effective after he looked like he might be washed the first 12 games of the season in his first 12 in New England. So yeah, the fact that they let the Patriots do that, the fact that the Patriots, let's be honest, did make some plays that I didn't think they were capable of making, especially some of those throws by Zappi, uh, that that stunned me. But I'm even more stunned and troubled, Chris, by the post-game reaction to this loss by Steelers coaches and players or Mm. coach and players, I should say, 
I thought we were going to get fire and brimstone in there. I thought we were going to get guys lighting into the team and vowing to turn this season around. They just seemed resigned, honestly. And that that might be even worse if if apathy is setting in rather than frustration. I think that's a big part of this too, right? I think, you know, Mike Tomlin said, you know, you know, talked talked about them, you know, owning what they did and, you know, they're saying that, you know, of course they're not giving up on the season. I think Cam Hayward brought up an interesting point. We put the whole video of Cam Hayward up on uh, the post because that YouTube uh, with some of the questions that I, I asked him, what, what did Mike Tomlin say to you guys? You know, was there any different kind of tone with this being back-to-back losses that, you know, I, I, no NFL team with a winning record had uh, had lost back-to-back home games to teams with uh, that were eight losses under 500 uh, in NFL history. So, like, this is historic. And let alone historic for the NFL, it's, it's extremely historic for, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Cam Hayward, you know, was kind of like, you know, Mike Tomlin always wants to look at the film. He doesn't want to sign blame to just, just random people just out of anger. Um, and so he kind of made a point that was like, you know what, you know, he, he, he said, he said what he need, what needed to be said that we need to come together and everyone knows that. And I, I think that that's part of it here. And I think that part of it here is also like the message of the Steelers right now, uh, isn't, isn't like, you know, Hey, we are, we have no idea what teams are doing. It's, we know what teams are doing and we're still getting our butts handed to us. And I think that's the thing that they talked about last week with the Cardinals game and talked about this week with the Patriots game. I mean, it's in, and you look at even some of the plays that they could have made in this game, you know, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky on that fourth down, you know, saying, admitting like, Hey, I had multiple options. I just saw George Pickens in double coverage. I went to Deontay Johnson uh, and he threw a terrible ball. Meanwhile, Allen Robinson was wide open over the middle of the part of the field, the defense on that third touchdown that, that they, allowed Demonte KZ perfect position to just jump to, to to make an interception for whatever reason slows up misplays the ball and lets a let's a touch let, lets an interception go right past him turns into a touchdown he makes that play and what I really thought was a standard safety play when he when that ball was let go I was like oh that should be intercepted and he lets that go by I I thought that was another a huge flipping of the game right there and there's several moments like that you could point throughout the game where the Steelers had their opportunities and they haven't made them and I, I think that's the big problem right now is that the Steelers are being put in positions to reasonably win spots and they just haven't done them the last two weeks. And for so many times this year, they had done. Them. And I think that's how they built their seven and four resume. But now that's also how they built their seven and six resume by not winning in those spots. Yeah. And, and as far as just, you know, how, how do they respond to this? I mean, I guess on one hand, you know, They've been here before. They've been at quote unquote rock bottom. You know, they were two and six at the bye yep. last year. A lot of people were like, all right, this is going to be it. This is going to be the three or four win season that we haven't seen under Mike Tomlin. And, you know, we know how that played out. But at the same time, you know, they haven't been here. You just laid it out there with that stat, Chris. No NFL team has been here to this degree. So I guess I can sort of understand from a standpoint of like, the sky's not falling. We're not pushing the panic button. But also, I just thought somebody was going to get up there, whether it was Tomlin doing his usual, we got to wallow in our stench, it's unacceptable, it's embarrassing, whatever, or Cam Hayward getting up there as the longest tenured player, team captain, Pittsburgh native, and kind of laying laying down with an opening statement of like, we're sorry to the fans, we apologize to Steeler Nation, this, this can't happen. I, I just, I was surprised there wasn't more of that. And look, that I, I'm... I don't 
pay money to watch this team. I don't buy Steelers merchandise. Like it doesn't really matter to me either way what they're saying, but I know it matters to the paying customer. And I know the turmoil in, in the fan base and the way the frustration that the, the crowd was feeling last night. And, you know, social media is a cesspool, but it is often a sampling of how Steelers supporters feel. They're tough to support right now. So if, if the team truly is checked out a little bit, then that's a major, major problem and, and something that would not foreshadow good things to come down this final four game stretch. They have a, they have 10 days to rest and kind of get it back together before they play what is going to be a crucial game against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, regardless of what the Colts do this weekend, that's going to be a game that could set up the, that could make or break their playoff chances as the Colts are, are in it. And uh, the, the Steelers have now fallen from, you know, an 85% chance to make the playoffs just five days ago or six days ago, um, you know, before, before they lost to the Cardinals to now they might need some help if they, if, if they, if they don't win out the rest of the way in their last four games. Uh, and what probably might happen is they win, if they win two of those last four games and then they'll finish nine and eight. And now they would, they will need help to try to get there. We'll talk about a few things there. Uh, but I, I think people want to talk less about this game because it's like, man, like you could talk about the ugly game as much as you want. And the I'll say this, question, I mean, weird things do happen in the NFL. Like, you know, players in, in Tomlin can't say that last night because nobody wants right. to hear that. No but, one wants to hear that. You know, the Bills lost to the Patriots this year. Yeah. The Eagles almost lost to the Patriots playoffs. this year. The the Cowboys lost to the Cardinals without Kyler yep. Murray. So like nonsensical results do dot the NFL schedule every single season. But mm-hmm. These back-to-back losses, both at home, just, yeah. I mean, it's it's inexcusable, and there's really no more heads to roll, at least not right now. You know, yeah. you, you already fired your offensive coordinator after losing to a rookie quarterback in the Browns, so there's, there's not many other measures as far as that goes. But, yeah, just, you know, you've, you've got to be optimistic that this team is in a state of calm because they're confident and not – a state of calm because they feel like it's just it's slipping away from them and sort of to your point earlier Chris like there really are no answers because they're just not good enough yeah I think that that's part that's part of it there for sure is is you know what there's serious talent problems and I, I think that kind of plays into the real Mike Tomlin conversation that I think needs to be had about moving forward. We'll get into a lot of Mike Tomlin talk because as much as, as bad as this loss was, and we can keep chopping up how bad it is. I think that all of Pittsburgh is looking at one thing right now. What do you do about Mike Tomlin? How much is, how much is he to blame for their current, their, their current status? And does this, how does this affect how the Roonies handle the, the, the franchise and, and their head coaching position moving forward? We'll get to all that and more on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Stick with us here. we got a lot to discuss. But first, I want to remind you, this show is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. If you're going down to the North Shore, best place to go right now is Mike's Beer Bar. It's on, and it's on Federal Street, right across the street from PNC Park. They have over 20 televisions, and you can catch all of your NFL, college football, Penguins, Riverhounds, Premier League, NBA, college hoops action, and you can even reserve tables with your specific game in mind tuned into the game that you want to watch with your with your group of friends and when you get there they have over 500 different available beers 300 of those beers are from the local area 80 of those local beers are available on tap and 
that's and that's always changing because they're always switching in new, new beers every single week so that they'll never run, run out of options and trust me i never do because i'm always there you can try their steak on a stone for an awesome meal where you get the your choice cut of steak brought to you on a heated stone so that every time you cut off a piece of steak you push that into the stone and you choose how well done you want every single bite mike's beer bar is the best bar in all of pittsburgh come get your sports fix at mike's bar, beer bar and experience the best bar in all of pittsburgh and when you get there Tell him Chris sent you. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Chris Carter, Brian Batko talking about this, the Pittsburgh Steelers after their loss 28-21-18 to the New England Patriots. We now switch to the Acrisure fan advantage. We were uh, we were we were uh, uh, blessed enough to have Greg Bedard do our our full episode where we talked to an opponent expert this week, and that was uh, he co- he's, he covers the Patriots for the Boston Sports Journal. But now we get to the question part of the Accurate Fan Advantage. We're all season long. You can submit your questions to be answered by myself and Brian here uh, by going to accurate slash fan advantage. More information on there as the Accurate Fan Advantage gets you closer to the team than ever before. This question comes from Benjamin O, and I'm going to try to paraphrase this as best as possible because this is a three-paragraph-long question. We'll try to break this down into the important part. Benjamin O, who asks us, Brian, says he leads off by saying, hey, I'm a fan of Mike Tomlin. I think that he the way that he handles press conferences is, is, is positive. Uh, he, he's also been great to good with, with getting, building a strong locker room culture at the beginning of his tenure. And, and since then he says, but he also said it makes a lot of sense for the Steelers to trade him to teams like Washington, the chargers, maybe even the bears, if they can get a first pick, first round pick, a second round pick and a third round pick. He's like, Tomlin, I'm sure wants to see the Steelers succeed. And another first rounder gives them a shot at, at finding a foundational player, maybe a, maybe a quarterback. The Chargers have a franchise quarterback. The Commanders have new ownership looking for stability uh, in their situation. And the Bears have two first-round picks with no stability. So why wouldn't that make sense for them? He says not only that, with con- Tomlin's contract status, the, this contract runs out at 2024, there's reason to believe the teams would, would trade for him and not have to bid for him on the open market next to extend him. So some a little bit of planning there. Ahead by Benjamin O, and I think it's a reasonable question because trading coaches has happened in in the past. Uh, most recently, Sean Payton was traded from the Saints to the Broncos. The Bronco, the Saints got back a first and a second round pick, uh, where the Broncos got a third. Bruce Arians was traded from the Cardinals to the Bucks, and then you have to go all the way back to guys like Herm Edwards and John Gruden and Bill Belichick for other coaches who had been traded uh, in the decade in the decade before. But Bryant. Should the Steelers trade Mike Tomlin, and how realistic do you think getting that kind of compensation would be uh, for his state with some of these these other teams that are looking for stability? Yeah, I mean, Benjamin ended his email with, why won't this happen? I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it will. Maybe it will. Who knows? I don't think so, because my usual response to uh, questions like this are, we're not running a video game Madden franchise here. There yeah. are human dynamics at play it's not as simple as this would be good for the Steelers and this would be good for the Bears make the trade like Mike Tomlin's mm-hmm. got he's, he's got a family he's got a daughter who's going to be doing college gymnastics at Georgia next year which is obviously in the southeastern part of the United States um, he has a, a home here he's made his home here for 17 years he might have zero interest in that and I don't think the Steelers are going to say 
Sorry, Mike. We've enjoyed it, but pack your bags. Thanks for helping us win that one Super Bowl and winning a bunch of AFC North titles. Uh, it's a business. Like, no, that's just not that's not how they operate. That's not how a lot of people in the NFL operate. And that's why a lot of the coaching trades that you referenced there, they, they've happened because of extenuating circumstances. It's not like, hey, we've got right. a player who uh, he doesn't fit us anymore. We've got young, we've got younger guys in the pipeline. We're going to send him over for a first round pick. No, like Sean Payton stepped away. Um, uh, who was the other one right before him? Um, uh, one second, we pull it back up. Bruce Arians. Yeah, Arians um, had stepped away. Like you know, there, there's usually strange things that happen, and teams retain rights to these coaches, and then you you figure out a path forward. Let's assume yeah. Mike Tomlin's cool with it. Then. Let's assume Mike Tomlin is like, all right, maybe this is the end of the road for me here, but I'm not done yet. I don't want to go to the booth. I don't want to sit around and do nothing all day in, in Pittsburgh or anywhere else. So maybe he does want it. In that case, it becomes a very interesting question of, all right, if you're the Steelers, if, if teams are offering to give you a first round pick, which I think would, would happen, those three teams Benjamin laid out there make a lot of sense and maybe others would too. If teams want to do that, do you have to look at look back at it and say, wait, if if teams do want to give us a first round pick for our head coach, should we not want to get rid of our head coach? Like it's it's kind of that circular logic of, you know, where do you stand ultimately right now on Tomlin? Is is he the biggest problem? Does he need to be out one way or the other? I'd certainly rather get something in return for a guy rather than outright uh, fire him or let him walk. But what, what's what are your thoughts, Chris? Like I'm curious, you. I don't have the latest updated Mike Tomlin um, approval rating rankings, but it's no secret <laughs> you're one. Of, you're usually one of the higher on him in general in this media ecosystem. Where, where's your head at after these back-to-back losses? My, my thing is this: is that he can't escape the you know the the blame for the state of the Steelers right now. And I you know just like I give him credit for the wins that set up again. They, I, I think that the the culture and the things that he set up helped them get to seven and four in the first place, just like it's helped them avoid losing seasons his entire career. But it's also helped set up these last two losses, which were historic. And I think part of it delves into the structure that the Steelers are right now. When you, when you look at the way the Steelers are are, are built and I want to get more, we'll get, I think we'll delve more into this in the next segment too. But when the, when the Steelers defense is having a bad game and they were having a bad game in the first half, they were terrible. There's a there's usually a foot that that is put down some at some point that says all right this stops now and at least you saw that in the second half where they played much better in the second half they shut the Patriots out like they should have shut the Patriots out for the most part of the, of the first half but that happens because they have guys that that step up as leaders on on that side of the ball Cam Hayward T J Watt Mika Fitzpatrick even I'd say even say Landon Roberts gets in that in, in, into that conversation I think that's that that's part of it and I think Mike Tomlin. He is not. He has never been a coach to baby people. He is always. He says, "Hey, I am challenging you to be a professional, to be a grown man, and to handle this position and and do that yourself." And I think for sixteen years that has been what this team has needed. They and they they have responded. I think that in your time covering them, Brian, after every big loss the Steelers have suffered, every embarrassing moment, they have bounced back and said, "Okay, that is not who we are." This is the first time in that in, in 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 I think his tenure head coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers that they haven't responded like that. And that's why this is unprecedented territory for me. And because yeah, I am one of so the you gotta have unprecedented conversations. I mean, that's just the, the reality exactly. of it. 
That that's that's where I'm at. Is that like I've defended Mike Tomlin when the Steelers have lost a playoff game because a fifth round or a fifth running back fumbled in the fourth quarter, or when they were fighting against a really good team on the road in a in a in a, in a must win game and they fought, they fumbled twice in the fourth quarter in situations that I was like coaching wasn't the biggest problem today. They're they're either hurt up or and and these were key mistakes that that just needed to not be made. Sure. Um, you know, I I think there's been times where he has caught flack for things that I'm like that this ain't this ain't on coaching he put them in a good situation to win but I think right now you have to acknowledge that when we keep asking the players what is going on what's prep about preparation and, and they say hey we knew what we needed to do we didn't get it done so it's about execution problem and now it's consistently about an execution problem in these two horrific losses then you have to ask what is the what is the disconnect there? Is it straight up coaching? Is it motivation? Is his is the message resonating with the rest of the team? And I think it resonates with the defense because they at least are able to answer to things and improve and take steps forward. It is obviously not resonating on offense. And I think part of that is because there is no leader on this offense. And there are guys who can lead at times, but there's there's no Cam Hayward who like you know runs out the tunnel with the Franco Harris flag last year that everyone can get behind on offense. I think Najee Harris has moments where people get behind him. I think that Kenny Pickett was it was elected to be the captain, but when you don't play well in a season, he can't be also can't be while well, he's hurt right now. But even when he wasn't hurt, you can't it's tough for you to be the leading voice when you're playing not you're not playing well. And then, so then you look around, who are the other veterans in the offense that you could even say could step up into that role? You know, maybe Isaac Sayamalo, but he doesn't, he's not a vocal guy. James Daniels, he's not a vocal guy. Do you want Deontay Johnson being your vocal leader? Like, like that, I think that's the problem that they're going through on offense. And for Mike Tomlin, he is not the guy that's going to massage your ego. He's going to be the guy that's being like, hey, I have an expectation. You got to meet, I'm going to challenge you week in and week out to meet this expectation this week, this week expectation next week. And that coaching style has not helped this offense. And I think that's the big question the Steelers have is that coaching style can work if you have at least one leader on on both sides of the ball that can set the tone and get guys to rise up to those moments. So the Rooneys, I think, have a decision to make. Is that coaching style what you want and you say, hey, we just need to get him that one guy on offense. Maybe we need to find him the quarterback or need to develop him the quarterback and get an OC that helps that helps do that. Or do we need to go in a complete direction entirely? And for years, I have said, you know, some of the losses that I think people have, you know, th- thrown up the fire Mike Tomlin bandwagon, even when they've been like 13-3, I'm like, that that's ridiculous. But like you said, unprecedented losses lead to unprecedented conversations that we have not had before. And that's where I think the Steelers legitimately have to start to start at least the exploration of the idea of what life needs to be like without Mike Tomlin. If they determine that building without him and finding a new message to, to build around is the future for this franchise. Yeah. Let's, let's continue that in the third segment, but to finish up with Benjamin's question, maybe it will happen. I I don't know. Coaching trades are weird inherently. I I think there is something to be said for great coaches can get stale and then be great again with a different fit. Andy Reid, Philly to Kansas City, one of the best examples of that. Maybe we'll see that with Bill Belichick in these next few years. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, a first round pick for Mike Tomlin, if I'm the Steelers, in a vacuum, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably do it because of everything we just talked about with um, whether it's time to move on from him anyway. But we'll we'll go a little deeper here soon. 
Absolutely. Let's get into that a lot deeper here. And I, I think there's a lot more context to be brought up here with the coaching situations, uh, not just with the Steelers, but abroad. But before we do that, I want to remind you, the show is also brought to you by Savinas, Kane, and Gallucci. They are, are the mesothelioma and asbestos lawyers you need. With over 85 years of experience, you can call them now for a free consultation. That's Savinas, Kane, and Gallucci. We're also brought to you by GameTime.co. We're buying tickets to your favorite events. Shouldn't be stressful. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. You can you can if you've ever had to buy tickets for an event at the last minute, don't rely on the scalpers on the street outside because sometimes you can get scammed out of it. Go download that game time app right to your phone. And when you do, you can not only see the great prices that game time has for those tickets, but you can see the view from the seats. So you know that you're getting the value for what you're paying. And game time also gets you amazing discounts on those prices. You often get deals that you can't get anywhere else. And they're so confident that they're going to get you one of those deals. They have a best price guarantee that can't be beat because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less somewhere else, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets off the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase to go to the website gametime.co. Terminators apply, create an account, and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Chris Carter, Brian Batko, leaning more into this Mike Tomlin discussion this, the, uh, on a Friday morning here as we record. Um, Brian, I think there's you, know, you brought up the the Eagles. It's, That's it's the just, one. It's I, what everybody's talking about. Like it's it really is. you know, and and it is bizarre that we're doing this when the Steelers are seven and six. And I think yeah. just I was chatting with some non-Steelers fan friends uh, who are NFL fans of other teams and some of them are kind of like, what is even going on? Is the Steelers fan base that spoiled? Like try being the jets and having some real problems, man. But no, I mean, it is, it is an apples oranges scenario because Steelers are not the jets and Mike Tomlin has been here for 17 years. So that's, that to me is what makes it a fascinating, intriguing topic and not a, not a dead horse here on, on a podcast where I think we do try to, not just follow narratives and you know take the low hanging fruit all the time, right? I think that's we we do. Well, that's the thing. We you can people. There's people in this town that have this conversation every day, regardless of the Steelers record. Like right. it's just should my Tommy be fired? Should my Tommy be fired? Should my Tommy be fired? We don't do that here. We we that's why we dig into a lot of the the intricacies of the game of the team, and I think that's why we have those discussions. But when you have losses like this, again, you open new doors, and that's why why we're here right now. But I want to get back to the conversation of coaches and new venues because you brought up the the eagles with andy reed and that's like the popular one that everyone always brings up and i think it's it's relevant of course andy reed when he was with the eagles they got to nfc championship after nfc championship after nfc champ i think they got the four straight and only won one of them um and then at one point they fell to a four and 12 season and after that the eagles were like andy thanks for your service we're gonna move on andy reed immediately picks up a job with the chiefs turns them into a serious contender eventually gets them patrick mahomes and they're a two-time Super Bowl champion. But a lot of people say, well, the Eagles, they've won a Super Bowl since then. I also think it's interesting. The Eagles kind of didn't just arrive there after getting rid of Andy Reid. They had Chip Kelly as a head coach. He got fired. They had like Pat Shermer come in. And they had then it was their third coach when they got Doug Peterson that they got that. But even in doing so, it wasn't like they became a dominant, dominant team. They had a hot run at uh, you know, one one year, and then Doug Peterson was pot was fired the season after, and it, they were kind of in limbo. And I think that they're in a good position with Nick Sirianni, but they just lost, and, and yes, they did win a Super Bowl, but they also just lost a Super Bowl 
to the coach that they just fired this past year. And, you know, he's the guy that's got the best quarterback in, in, in the league and everything. And I think that, sure, where you have your Eagles that have benefited from moving on from that, uh, you know, in a kind of a weird way that it wasn't a direct correlation for fire him, you get better. I think you also have examples uh, in recent NFL history of keeping coaches or, or you know, and, and, and it working out. You know, I think the New York Giants, there were there was two times uh, where they won those two Super Bowls where Tom Coughlin was on the hot seat both times before before that. And they stuck with him. And both times he got them two historic Super Bowl wins, beating Tom Brady both times. One of those in one of the most memorable Super Bowls ever uh, with the, with be, beating the undefeated Patriots that year. And then uh, the third time they got into a hot he got into a hot seat. They fired him before he could try to turn the turn things around. And ever since then, they've been a laughing stock. You can go to Sean Payton. Three straight seven and nine seasons, the, the Saints never blinked, and eventually he turned them around, got them four straight division championships. They didn't get a Super Bowl, but they were much better. Pete Carroll had back-to-back losing seasons before his Super Bowl. Heck, the Steelers are a shining example. Bill Cowher had back-to-back losing seasons, then missed the playoffs the next year, and then got an extension. And I remember as a kid, I think it was Bob Smyzik, for this very paper, wrote, I don't understand this. And, and said, I don't understand why this guy just got an extension when they haven't been relevant for four years. And this year they just missed the playoffs, but they still weren't a good team. And Dan Rooney's reasoning for that when he made that decision back in 2000 was the team came together. They were, I believe, five and six going down the stretch there, Brian. And they finished the seat that season four and one to go nine and seven. And he felt confident that the locker room was still in a place where it believed in Bill Cower and that they could move forward with that. I think that's where this team is right now. Not that they're five and six and this is the 2000 Steelers all over again. But I think that Art Rooney has to has to see does this team, do these players still get behind when Mike Tomlin says, says, all right, boys, let's get out there and fight? Do they give that kind of an effort? Because if they do in these last four games, I actually think that Mike Tomlin's job job is safe and they, they'll make lots of changes elsewhere. I think they'll change a lot on the offensive coaching staff and I think they'll make more investments to try to build this roster in different ways. But I think that's where the crux of this. I don't think that everything's settled for the Roonies, but I think that they are now on watch to see how do things handle get, get handled here because that will play a big part of the conversation of what needs to happen to head coach. I'm generally a proponent of patience and stability too. It's it's always the easy th- thing to do to say, ah, just fire them, bring somebody else in here and and yeah. swing for the fences. You know, it's you you might get stuck on the coaching carousel like a lot of teams in the NFL if if you do that. But there's also something to be said for how long are you really comfortable treading water and enjoying a let's be honest, it's a high floor with Mike Tomlin. And I'm sure that's how other franchises, to go back to the trading idea, that's probably how other franchises would view it too. Like, man, we've been through some really, really ugly seasons where our fan base checks out on us and people don't come to the games. We at least know that probably won't happen with this guy running the ship because it never has happened under his watch in the NFL. So what I would say to your your notion of, you know, revamping things, especially offensively and – banking on the the idea that hey change up some other variables Tomlin w- will be able to get back to the promised land if you change up the structure a bit that may be but also it, it, it's a little bit of a moving the goalpost conversation because he's had the chance to revamp the offensive coaching staff mm-hmm. he picked Matt Canada yeah. to replace Randy Feetner 
And I suppose the Ben Roethlisberger factor is sort of an extenuating circumstance there. It was not an easy transition. And then that's another part of this too is, hey, are, are we collectively having a little bit too much of a rash reaction to the inevitable changing of the guard when you lose a franchise quarterback that you had in place for 18 years. Very good point. The Packers are an anomaly. They are a phenomenon. The Chiefs hit the succession plan right on the money. Alex Smith, the Patrick Mahomes. But those are the exceptions and not the rule. There's a lot more of the current state of the Patriots or the current, you know, what happened to the Colts uh, after Andrew Luck abruptly retired. So that's generally how things go. You play quarterback roulette and you, you you hope your number hits and that you're back in, you know, in the swing of things for a while. So I, I don't know. Um, it, it does ring true with me that things do get stale. Sometimes you do need to make a change and not be afraid of change because otherwise you sit here and you say, all right, the Canada experiment wasn't good. Let's see what Tomlin can do hiring the next offensive coordinator and bring this philosophy into modern football in the NFL in 2024. But if that doesn't work out, is it going to become, well, the Kenny Pickett pick was a mistake. Let's see what he can do with another quarterback, uh, uh, you know, under center. But if that doesn't work out, do you you then turn it back and say, maybe this offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator needs it. Like just eventually the blame has to rest with the head coach and there needs to be measures taken in, mm-hmm. in response to that blame being with the head coach. And that's the entire uh, point of, of people who make decisions with hirings and firings and in this league or this team or any league or any team. So um, let's see how the rest of the season plays out. Like we said, I, I feel like there have been very low moments under Tomlin before, but uh, this, this is a, a rock bottom of sorts and it doesn't feel like there's a lot of hope on the horizon he said, this is who we are and this is what we do. And that's what gives him the faith that, that they'll get it turned around, but it's not going to be easy. And if it doesn't happen, then you start leaving open to interpretation. Are we still who we are? Do we still do what we do? That's the big question, right? I think that's where the Steelers are, are at right now is they're, they're trying to find those answers. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's funny, you know, I go back to your point. You talk to people that, you know, watch teams across the NFL and they're passionate about other teams. And, for Steelers fans to say that seven and six is rock bottom, I bet you that, like you said, there's there's Lions fans though though they're they're feeling right good right now. They're like you understand what rock bottom really is? We have seen zero and sixteen seasons. Like 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 that's been a factor here. I mean, but Brian, in you and my lifetime, I think I'm older than you. I was born in eighty nine. When were you born? You ninety one. Ninety one. So, you wouldn't know it from my backwards hat that I wear that always gets our commenters triggered. I didn't wear it. I wouldn't wear it today, but it's there's usually there should be a trigger warning next time I wear a backwards hat on the pod. We always get an angry comment about that as if I should look like I'm giving my dissertation as opposed to sitting in my dining room talking about football. But I digress. But point being, uh, since 89, this team has never finished in last place in whatever division, whether it's the AFC Central or the AFC North, the worst seasons that they've had were 6-10 and 10, twice under Bill Cowher in, in the 90s. That's it. They've never had the three-loss season, the four-loss season, where they've been a top-five pick naturally. I think that the best position draft-wise they've been was 11th overall when they picked Ben, ben Roethlisberger uh, in, in, my, in my lifetime. Uh, and I think that that's where you, you have a point that, you know, maybe the Rooney's recognize that, like, hey, 
he is Mike Tomlin. I, I think Mike Tomlin is very much a big part of the reason why they have the seven wins that they have right now, because, you know, Cam Hayward denied and pushed back against the narrative that it's been smoke and mirrors for the Pittsburgh Steelers to get some of those wins. And I, I think that your smoke and mirrors can be, it's a, it can be like a, it's an insulting term to teams that are fighting hard. But I think what people mean to say when they say smoke and mirrors is they're like, Hey, like, you guys don't have an offense that normally would lead to winning results. But it it wasn't sustainable. Finding... It's not that it was smoke and mirrors. It just right. was not sustainable. You look at things and like it... point differential and advanced metrics. Like, right. You know, it, it was clear to see from the outside that they were winning games in more of a fluky nature than with sustained excellence on both but, sides. Of the ball. But I think part of what set that up was they were forcing so many matchups to go in their way in a lot of different situations. They were they were kind of putting games into a telephone booth and saying, hey, we're going to hope that this variable is what gets us over the top. And that had won them so many games. You know, but yes, eventually you're going to regress to the mean when that's what you're doing. Exactly, because you can't always get the games in the telephone booth. You can't always force all these things to fit into the one thing. It's Eventually, an odd shaped ball. It takes funny bounces. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's, this is exactly big the, of the issue. Right, right. I think you are on the same page here. The best teams are the teams that find so many different ways to win. I can beat you with my passing game, my running game, my pass rush, my run defense, our build, my, my secondary is able to make plays. The Steelers have one way to beat you. Their defense gets after you. They get they they and their their run game runs on you, and they protect the, they protect the lead. That is how they have won almost all of their games this this season. Uh, and I'm sure they've had fourth quarter comebacks and things like that, but it's been asking the bare minimum of their offense. That's where I think the Steelers are right now. And I think that that plays into who, who they've been. But I think that that's the thing is that acknowledging coaching has helped them, I think, maximize the results of that. The question will be, can coaching get you to get past that at some point? That's where the Roonies have to ask the question about Mike Tomlin and this entire coaching staff as far as how this franchise moves forward. Do, does this coaching staff find a way to get them back? Because we've seen it before. I mean, you go back to uh, you go back to, you know, even forget the Super Bowl runs that they that, that they had. Let's go back to 2014. They were seven and five late in that season. They ended up winning out, won the division that 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 year. 2015, they started out four and four. They finished, they, they won seven straight to go to go, or no, they won set, they won seven in the next eight, went eleven and five. 2016, they at one point lost four straight games, dropped to four and five. They went then won nine straight games to get to the AFC championship game. 2019, with no Ben Roethlisberger down to Duck Hodges, that team found a way to scrap to get to eight and five. And yes, they collapsed to eight and eight, but I think everyone in the NFL agreed that team overachieved to get to that point. Mike Tomlin clearly has had messages when teams have the Steelers teams have hit quote unquote rock bottom, including last year when they were two and six and found a way to get to, to get to nine and eight. The question the Rooney's have to have is, has he burned all his bullets for his career to make those type of things happen in seasons? If they think he has, then they have to move on. But if they think that he can still do things like that, and, and the, the the real issue of this team is finding competent quarterback play, because frankly, they don't have that right now, they need to then ask themselves, how soon can we make can we, can we make that change? Because if you can if you can find a coach that can fix things on offense faster than you can find a quarterback that might fix fix, fix things on offense. I think that is going to be the crux of how they build this franchise moving forward to try to get them back to being a winner. And again, the Steelers could go crazy, win four row at the end of the season, and then everyone's talking about like, oh, see, this 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 was a great year. Uh, and and you know, some people will want to forget these these two games that happened. I don't think it will happen, but 
I think that it, there's the, the, this conversation still needs to be had by the Roonies and exploration needs to be made in the coming weeks. Yeah. And I wouldn't necessarily blame somebody who's like, Hey, all this baloney about coaching messaging and not losing the team and even game planning and adjustments like that. None of it matters as much as the talent that you have and the Jimmy's and the Joe's like, let's be honest. That's very true. And okay. And that yeah. that's fair. But also then you have to acknowledge Mike Tomlin has about as much power as any head coach in this league yep. when it comes to constructing the roster and picking that personnel that you said matters more than anything. So he can't, you know, you know, somebody's kind of out of their depth a little bit when they say, Oh, look what he's doing with this crap roster. You got to tip your cap to him. I mean, mm. Come on, it's it's not can't act like it's the owner and the GM putting these guys on Mike Tomlin's plate and saying make a good meal. That's that's just not how it works in Pittsburgh. So then then you need to take a step back and say what's the evaluation process that's leading us to these rosters that aren't good enough. So it's it's really just a multi layered, um, fascinating again discussion and it's nuanced. I think this was a good one. You know, we're neither one of us has any sort of agenda. Um, obviously we're not neither one neither one of us is sitting up here saying they've got to fire Mike Tomlin at the end of the season or right. you guys are being way too hard on Mike Tomlin give him a lifetime contract that's not what this conversation was about um so hopefully people enjoyed it and we'll we'll see what happens uh it's it is not a not where anybody expected us to be two weeks prior to this but this is six really days prior to this are. Brian yeah. six days ago <laughs> yeah yeah this is really this is really where the Steelers are right now um, absolutely it's, we will it's, have a, a it's a turning point Sorry. for sure some sort of turning point i guess but yeah. we'll i do i do think there is a fork in the road for the steelers if they fall apart it opens up an even more conversation because i don't think mike Tomlin's ever lost a locker room but if they build back up it goes back to man that guy finds a way to rally teams and get them the winning seasons is that the kind of coach that you want to keep build, building with moving forward we'll have a lot more discussions about this i'm sure we'll talk about this with right fit a pot on our monday episode of the north shore drive podcast but we have a lot to still cover here for Post-Gazette Sports. Jason Mackey has been doing a fantastic job covering the winter meetings and all the moves that the Pirates are trying to make this offseason as they try to build themselves to be a competitive team this upcoming season. But also, lots of action going down this week. And Noah Hiles is doing all the good work for us at the Whippeal Champion, at the Whippeal Share, the state championships right now for high school football. Aliquippa won a big game uh, on Friday, on, a, on Thursday night while the Steelers were losing. And he's been covering that there along with other games like Westinghouse that plays Saturday. Get all his coverage at post and of course, Pitt Sports is, has, has a big weekend. Pitt basketball resumes Saturday, but the big game everyone's going to be looking at is Pitt volleyball and the lead eight against their vaunted rivals, Louisville. And it'll be at the Fitzgerald Fieldhouse. We'll have Abby Schnabel there. I'm going to try to poke my head in, Brian, across right across the street uh, as I try to like get ready for the for the for this Pitt basketball game at the Pete uh, at the Fitzgerald Fieldhouse. But all that coverage can be had at post Gazette. Dot com and of course on the on the on the Pittsburgh Post Gazette's podcasting channels, whether on your favorite podcasting app or on YouTube, like this video if you enjoyed, subscribe to this channel to get all of those episodes. Thanks again to Brian. Thanks again to you all for tuning in to us here in the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm back Monday with Ray Fittipato. We'll look more and deeper at this Pittsburgh Steelers team. We'll see you then right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all the sports coverage from the Post Gazette that we have to offer, visit post-gazette.com.